you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fields takes off. Left side, he's in. Touchdown, Bears. Blitz. Fields throws to Herbert. Has blocking. Has a touchdown. Montgomery is in for the touchdown. What a night for the ground game of the Bears. It was supposed to be a coronation for Bill Belichick on Monday Night Football, but the Bears and Justin Fields had different ideas. 33-14 to 14 on Monday night in Foxborough. That's the Chicago Bears' first victory in Foxborough ever. How is that even possible? Well, they don't play there that much. I am joined... On Monday night uh, by Bill Barnwell, and I am so excited uh, for Bill to be here and to revel uh, in my misery. Welcome, Bill. How are you doing? Thank you for staying up late. You make it sound like that's a, a common trope in our friendship, is that 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 is really what I'm stuck around for, is to just <laughs> Revel, 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 revel yeah. in your misery. Well, you've been, you've had to wait. You know, you you are a Giants fan, and so sure. you've had um, the upper hand in some some big spots. But I do feel like uh, the rest of the country enjoyed how much uh, Patriots fans lost their mind in Zappy fever and were booing uh, their first round pick from a year ago, Mac Jones, and then going crazy for Zappy, and they take a lead, and then the air just is totally taken out of the stadium and they ended up getting blown out. I do feel like there's probably a little extra joy for much of the country and seeing all those sad Patriots fans faces. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I, I, I think in general though, maybe I'm basing any... that on the text that I got from Mark uh, and Dan right after the game. <laughs> yes. The sample size of two <laughs> representing the broader NFL watching public, which is not unfair. I think they, they have very fine opinions themselves. They're slightly biased, but I think, I, I don't know about you. Obviously you watch a lot of football. I can't think of a game where a player came in, 
was so hot. A, a player who was being begged for by the crowd early in this game comes in, lights such an immediate fire underneath a team, and then fizzles out so quickly over the course of the ensuing two quarters. Like even with um was it Mike White was the Jets back yeah. quarterback last year? Mike White at least had a really good game and then kind of struggled the following week or a couple of weeks later. Um this was really like a whole life cycle in the course of about 40 minutes of football time. It it was crazy. It was truly like a telenovela. It was great <laughs> entertainment. The only thing that would have been better is if the game, you know, stayed close, but there was so much going on. Uh, when the Patriots took out Mac Jones at the end of you know a rough first quarter for Jones, and I, I have you know little notes in front of me, Bill. You can't see me because your camera is off, and I respect that decision. Um, <laughs> you have moved out into your main room of your house. Your wife is uh, sleeping in your bedroom, and you're staying up late um, to do this with me. And so I really appreciate that. But if you could see me, you could see my note card. And the first thing <laughs> written on it is all about the Bears, because I want to give the Bears their love. This really yes. was a big night for them, and we will talk a lot about that. But we just started on the Zappy and Mac thing, so now I just think let's <laughs> let's stay there. We can, we can go in either direction, but no, you have I, to pick from this point forward. I, I, I know. The, the Zappy-Mac thing is crazy, because... Mac Jones was getting booed, or at least yes. the Patriots' offense was getting booed uh, after Mac Jones starts the game, and they go three and out twice. This is even before he throws a bad interception. And in those mm-hmm. two drives, and they were three and outs, they had some bad running plays. They had a penalty. They had Mac Jones maybe holding on to the ball too long, not making quick mm-hmm. decisions like he did as a rookie. But it was like the sample size of two or three you know, pass plays. And they were already booing. They already started chanting for Zappy. And so after Mac Jones makes a couple plays uh, and drives the ball down the field, he throws uh, a pretty unforgivable interception where he's outside mm-hmm. of the pocket and just throws it up for grabs. And he and mm-hmm. he made a few of those plays earlier in the season, which which he really didn't much as a rookie. And at that point. Everyone wanted Zappy. Zappy comes in and has a four-play touchdown drive where he's got a wide-open screen to Stevenson and a wide-open uh, Jacoby Myers down the field and then a three-play mm-hmm. touchdown drive. And at that point, it felt like the Beatles had just landed in <laughs> in New York. In During that time, the Patriots had come back from a 10-0 deficit to take the lead 14-10. And it, it was like a, it was an experience, Bill. What, what was your experience watching this? So two things came to mind for me with this sequence. And I'll start with the Mac Jones side of things. Number one, we've all seen situations where a quarterback was struggling, a veteran starting quarterback was struggling, and and the fans wanted to see that young, exciting, uh, you know, promising backup get his opportunity. The starting quarterback in this situation is usually not like 24 years old. And I think that's the weird part about this is that Mac Jones was getting the, oh, we're sick of you. We want to see something fresh and new treatment from the fans. But Mac Jones is in his second season as Patriots quarterback. Like he was getting the, oh, we're excited to see Mac Jones treatment last year. He's in his second year as Patriots quarterback. And he's averaged 7.4 yards per attempt as a pro, including 8.1 yards per attempt in his uh, brief three games this year. Mm-hmm. Like I, he has not been great to start the season with uh, with turnovers, and obviously, 
Sappy was very good in his two-start sample, but it just seems so strange to me that Patriots fans were like, oh yeah, get this first round pick who's the future of our franchise the hell off the field. We have to see Zappi right now. There's no alternative for us. Right. And the, the Patriots fed into this by letting reporters know or reporters finding out that both quarterbacks were likely to play in this game. Adam Schefter reported before the game, but I also saw it, uh, a few times during the week from Patriots reporters that they said, mm-hmm. don't be surprised if both end up playing. I, I also think, and, and this is why you know I have a tricky time as a Patriots fan, because Patriots fans like yep. in the stadium often annoy me to the <laughs> nth degree. On Twitter, no one's more annoying than Patriots fans. And this is the sort of thing that, that drove me crazy. And now that I'm thinking deeply about it, like, Part of it is the sports radio atmosphere there. There were mm-hmm. some negative reports about Mac Jones that did not become a national story. Um, he also didn't seem comfortable in the new Matt Patricia system. And he mm-hmm. had one or two comments slip out publicly that kind of expressed his lack of comfort when they were struggling in training camp and the beginning of the season. And then there's some reports and, and Michael Lombardi was, was one of them uh, out there just like about his attitude or just total nonsense stuff about he got too big for himself when he went to the Pro Bowl. And I think mm-hmm. that it all feeds into it. And then ultimately you look at Zappi and he played well. He improved the last couple of weeks. And everyone just wants this to be Brady again. That's the thing. Like, they want Bailey Zappi, this kid from Western Kentucky, to come in, and it's just Tom Brady again. And I just haven't seen anything out of him to make me think, like, this guy's going to be a better option than Zappi, but I mean, than uh, Mac Jones. But it makes you wonder, like, what are they going to do next week? And this is not going to be something that goes away anytime soon. I mean, we're not that far removed from. Fans wanting Mac Jones to be the next Tom Brady. And frankly, he was ahead of Tom Brady in terms of Tom Brady's development, given that Tom Brady did not play really during his rookie season. I I know some of the reports that came out about his attitude were proven to be just false based on random DMs that went to reporters who reported them as fact. Exactly. Um, that, I should have that pointed that out. Was a problem. Um, and again, like, frankly, I don't. Tom Brady's attitude was not always great as Patriots quarterback. He was not always the most humble quarterback or the easiest person to deal with. It didn't matter when they were winning football games. And I think what really stood out to me about this situation was how Bill Belichick handled Mac Jones in this game. Because we've seen Belichick bench pretty much every play, like any player at any position who makes a serious mental mistake, Belichick is comfortable benching that guy for the entire game or for the next week or for weeks to come. Isaiah Wynn is this year's example, or he wasn't even active for this game after mental mistakes throughout the season. They put an injury designation on it, but I am with you that I think it was more about him just getting benched. Right. And Mac Jones throws an interception, which was a bad play. He he saw cover two before the stop. He threw a play, threw a pass that would have been a cover two beater. The Bears had rotated to cover three after the stop. It was a contested pass, an incredible interception, by the way, like like just a ridiculous. Jaquan Brisker, their the second pick. round pick, who, who's been a nice uh, story for them. Yeah, incredible pick, but Mac Jones did not play after that moment, even though Bill Belichick 
came out at halftime and said, we're going to play Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi after halftime. And even though we didn't really see a lot of evidence that Mac Jones was physically struggling with his high ankle sprain in this game, he was running fine. He had a bunch of scrambles for gains. He had more rushing yards than passing yards, Bill. Yes. 24. That that, that is the, like, like, it wasn't like the ankle was the issue here where that seemed to be holding him back. So it seemed like, Basically, Bill Belichick used this opportunity to bench Mac Jones for making a stupid mental mistake, which maybe he doesn't do that in a typical situation, but it felt like at the very least tough love from a coach who's known for tough love with his players. I want to get into some of that. And again, we're going to get to the Bears, but I I think let's do this quarterback situation. Move on. I like these Monday night recaps, Bill, um, because it's our chance to kind of dive into these teams a a little deeper uh, than we have time to do later in the season. And this quarterback situation is is fascinating. I'm curious just what you think of Bailey Zappi has now played as much this season as Mac Jones in the sample mm-hmm. size we're basing Mac Jones tonight on was uh, to be clear, three for six uh, for 13 yards and an interception. He, he threw six passes. Mm-hmm. He, he ran a little too quickly a few times to uh, three possessions. They didn't score one big mental error. What have you seen from Zappi in general and uh, especially tonight? I mean, I, I think we saw a guy who can be very decisive with the football. You know, I think the, the, the swing pass he got out to Ramondre Stevenson against the Big Blitz was just perfect throw, perfect time, perfect situation, and a great read to know exactly where to get the ball out quickly. Um, I think you see a guy who has zip on his passes. It's not like he doesn't have a a pro-caliber arm throwing slants, throwing outs. He, he was able to make those throws and look like he had an NFL caliber arm, not exactly a, you know, Josh Allen kind of arm, but his throws were in the right places generally. Um, I think you saw a guy who is going to be struggling with protections, who's going to be struggling with what to do when there's pass pressure on him. And I think we saw something very similar to the Cooper Rush situation in Dallas, where when Cooper Rush was playing subpar defenses and wasn't in a position where he had to throw the football to catch up and he was able to play from ahead and have the threat of a running game cooper rush looked great but the moment they came out and played the eagles and got down 10 nothing and cooper rush had to throw for them to win football games you saw what happened cooper rush started turning the ball over and it was a much sloppier situation and that is kind of what i felt here with zappy where in the second half when the bears strangely were going on a scoring spree and Zappi had to match them, he was really not able to keep up. And I don't think it tells us that Billy Zappi is not fit to be an NFL quarterback, but just that he's not some immediate solution in a way that Mac Jones is not for this football team. Right. The thing that drives me the craziest about this whole thing is like, they're the same player. They're yes. so similar. I think Mac yes. Jones has a higher ceiling and I think people undersell what he showed last year as a rookie for being advanced in some meaningful ways as a rookie that to me um, offers some real long-term upside that they could get excited about, but you still would have to see it in a way that I was like excited about Geno Smith back in the day, in his early days, just that he's showing some processing ability Bill, like going to his second, his third read, like being pretty comfortable in the pocket, not letting, you know, pressure bother him too much. Like if you can show those things early, there's a chance you can have a pretty long, good career. I think Zappi has very similar strengths. They literally look the same. (laughs) 
if you put those two people on a lineup together, like <laughs> it's just like look look at Bailey Zappi, look at Mac yeah. Jones. They look the same, and they're very similar players. And that that's why I think the whole thing is a little silly. Now Zappi's shown way more uh, than you would expect this quickly, and that that bodes well. Like. I thought he was overwhelmed in the Packers game where he came in. And you can understand that. And Of course. And and they've done things for him, like seven-man protections and... More play action. More play action. The running game's been really good. And you saw what happened when all that didn't quite work as well tonight. And I, I think most importantly, the rest of the team has just played better. There's so much focus on the quarterback, and it is juicy. But ultimately, I think Mac Jones would have won those last couple games against two of the worst defenses in the league, the Browns and the Lions, and he would have played well. And they weren't going to win this game no matter if Zappi played all four quarters or if Mac Jones uh, played four quarters. So uh, it's a situation where I think Belichick came into this game, Bill, with a plan to rotate the players. And like he knows, he knows this is gonna drive people crazy. He knows, but ultimately, he doesn't care enough. He thinks this is the right thing to do, and it is something he's very consistent at at almost any other position, especially mm-hmm. with young players. That he rotates mm-hmm. them, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's cornerbacks, whether defensive linemen. That's more typical. Whether it's running backs, receivers. Like mm-hmm. this is these are things he does, and I think he has this idea in his head that these are two young quarterbacks, and this is what I'm gonna do, and and I'm gonna see how I feel after this game. And um, I I think the way it went, it just is messy with the Jets next week. <laughs> it's messy. I have a stat okay. and a question for you, Greg Rosenthal. The stat is QBR, ESPN's all encompassing quarterback stat. And speaking to your argument that these are the two identical quarterbacks, Billy Zappi's QBR after four games is 35.0. Mac Jones' QBR after four games is 33.9. So there is a 1.1 difference in QBR between these two quarterbacks who are similar in many ways. And the Zappi heads will say, well, uh, like uh, one of those passes were tipped and the other time it it was over. It's it's like those were the times when when Mac Jones got into trouble this year. I will say Mac Jones hasn't looked as comfortable in Matt Patricia's system, period. And that that included tonight. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple Belichick quotes and then we'll move on to the Bears. Uh, He did... Not, of course, uh, say who the starter is going to be against the Jets. And he won't, I'm, I assume, until next Sunday. We'll see if there's reports. He said Jones wasn't benched due to performance. Jones was sure. aware he wasn't going to play the whole game. And that an ankle, the ankle was a factor in that decision. Don't believe the ankle part. Do believe that he was aware he wasn't going to play the whole game. Uh, but I also believe Mac Jones probably thought he was going to come back into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belichick says he would have if the score didn't get out of hand, he shot down mm. the notion that the Patriots would platoon quarterbacks moving forward, even though he, in the same sentence, essentially admitted he was planning to platoon quarterbacks mm. today. So uh, I think there's some lying going on in there. Well, well <laughs> Greg, as a Patriots fan, as a observer of the <laughs> NFL, yeah, what do you think the Patriots should do next week? Oh, I think they should start Mac Jones. You know, the fan part of it annoys me. And um, that's just something we can, that... We can both agree. We hate the fans. I want to no, make that clear. I'm just saying the, Mac Jones is like a human being. And I'm not saying sure. they should be easy on him. But when they are booing like crazy in the atmosphere that they have, and then it went crazy, mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy to view these two guys as human and their teammates as human and think that mm-hmm. actually could have a real 
impact on what's going on and not going to help Mac Jones uh, and his performance and what's happening. And maybe that influences you a, a little, at least in the moment tonight. Is that crazy? Mm-hmm. No, but I think if anyone's going to be able to get past what the crowd thinks about anything, it's Bill Belichick, no? Yeah, and Mac Jones is going to have to as well. And I I, I was already getting people texting me. I have friends and uh, my buddy, Burke, who we've talked about on this show, who helps us, you know, with our live shows, uh, Mike Burke, which was always like, oh, they're going to trade Mac Jones. Like, oh, they, they, they can't. it's like, <laughs> let's calm down here. They not only drafted a quarterback behind Tom Brady, the greatest of, you know, one of the greatest of all time or the greatest every couple of years in the first three rounds. They drafted someone more handsome than him that he didn't particularly seem to enjoy and all but decided that he was going to be their next guy. And they let those two guys just sit around while not giving Tom Brady a contract extension. I think they'll be fine letting Mac Jones and uh, Bailey Zappi feel uncomfortable in the situation, maybe for years. Maybe this is the first of many post-game conversations about this weird situation, Bill. So should I delete my tweet that said 2023 49ers starting quarterback Mac Jones? Or can I keep that up? No, I mean, you can keep it because what's the harm? You might, you know, like in the off chance that you're right. um, I mean, it does make some sense. Uh, if they were willing to pay enough, it's, it, you know, I, the Belichick would probably trade anyone. But I think, I think one thing they do in a smart way is draft quarterbacks every year. Like even when you have Tom Brady, quarterbacks are worth a lot and it's great to have two good ones. And right now we see a lot of Patriots quarterbacks playing around the league. Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Garoppolo. Like Mm -hmm. this is it. I'm not saying these are like great players, but it's good to just draft quarterbacks. And I think they like having two. Can I point out something about the Jets before we get to the Bears? The team the Patriots play next week. I've mentioned this. I don't feel like it's gotten a lot of attention. It seems obvious to me that it's a very important thing when it comes to evaluating the five and two New York Jets. They have one win this year against a starting quarterback, and they may not have to play a starting quarterback against the Patriots next week. They beat Jacoby <laughs> Brissett with the Browns. Uh, Kenny Pickett came in for the Steelers, so it's Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, whichever one you think is not the starter, played half the game there. They had uh, Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater in the Dolphins game. Yeah. Of course, they did beat Aaron Rodgers, but last week they get Brett Rippon and beat the Broncos, and they might get uh, they may get Bailey Zappi as the backup quarterback for the Patriots this upcoming week. So That's this is wild. something I would, I'd recommend for <laughs> NFL teams. Make sure you play uh, five backups in, in the first half of the season. It's a really good way to advance on your rebuilding project. It's a perfect week to have Jets-Patriots because that's a big game for the Patriots, especially now at three and four. And that's a perfect transition because I think the Jets are a great example of how this is a defensive year in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Not saying great defenses are going to win the Super Bowl, but teams are winning games often because of their defense. And the Bears played well on both sides of the ball tonight, but they absolutely had the better defense in this game. They had more playmaking. They had a more consistent pass rush, and they did a much better job stopping the Patriots' running attack. This Matt Eberflus defense has gotten like a little bit better each and every week, and I think they're a pretty good defense moving forward. They, he always has a, a sound defense. They haven't had a great pass rush, but that's at least part of the reason why the Bears are here at 3-4 and four and in the NFC stew. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that it's very similar to what we saw with the Colts, where 
when Eberflus took over in Indianapolis, it was, well, they don't have the pieces, they're rebuilding on defense, they don't really have a lot to work with. And typically, just about every season Eberflus was there in Indianapolis, which, by the way, is a disaster this year after he left. Ooh, Not that's a good point. Necessarily correlated, but a different conversation. Um, Eberflus has typically gotten more out of his roster than you might look at from the names on the play sheet each and every week. And I think that's the case here. Um, you know, this is a team that that really bottled up the Patriots rushing attack and put those quarterbacks in situations where they had to throw. And yes, there were moments where, for example, like you said, Jacoby Myers, just a totally blown coverage on that touchdown. Devontae Parker made a crazy catch in double coverage. That, that's going to happen. If you have wide receivers making great plays, if you're going to blow a coverage, not much you can do. But on the whole, this is a very good team when it comes to sort of playing within its limits and playing as a unit, sort of like a a younger, less talented or, or less experienced version maybe of the Bengals we hmm. saw kind of impressed during the second half in the postseason a year ago where it really felt like they were just a better team than they were individual players. And I think we saw sort of the upside here where the few stars they do have played like stars in this game. I mean, Robert Quinn did not get a sack, but he tormented Trent Brown. His best game of the year. This game. He was great in this game. Roquan Smith had an interception in this game. Been great all um, year. Sorry, a, a sack and an interception. Uh, Brisker, like you said, who has been very promising this year, had a very impressive pick on a play where the Bears fooled Mac Jones, who's a pretty smart quarterback for a second-year uh, second passer. Um, this was a game where it felt like they had the answers for the Patriots, and the Patriots aren't necessarily running the most complicated offense on the planet, uh, especially with Zappi in the game, but it really felt like outside of a couple plays in this game, they were dominating yeah. on the road. Right. They got Mac Jones off his spot, basically, in all three of those drives. Yep. Almost every time he dropped back, and that was a big reason why he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look good. I was skeptical of the Ibraflus hire just because you, know, you hire a defensive guy. I really want a, like a major schematic advantage, and those Colts' defenses were solid, but they weren't overwhelming. And so... I wasn't inspired, but you can kind of see the vision. And one you mentioned um, getting players to play above their talent level as a whole. And one thing I always look for in new coaches is, well, how are these players compared to they looked with their last coaches? And at yeah. least compared to last year, Jalen Johnson playing better. Eddie Jackson, mm-hmm. a couple down years, playing better. Roquan Smith already was great, playing as great or better. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that those are all really promising signs. And it's really just the last two weeks. They've been fine before that. They haven't been great or or terrible. Uh, but the last two weeks, I mean, they shut down Washington. I, mm-hmm. I know it's Washington, but they still <laughs> shut down Washington. 214 yards is nothing to sneeze at in an NFL game. They basically didn't give up any points other than that like fumble or uh, punt. Uh, that happened that set the the Washington up inside the five. And then they, you know, 260 yards and 12 first downs for the Patriots. So very good, very promising. And yet I've spent all this time not getting to the first point on my little card, Mm -hmm. Bill, which was Mm -hmm. Justin Fields. Of course, that was Mm -hmm. like the on-field story of this game is Justin Fields uh, running well. He's run well all year, but this time it felt like they emphasized it in terms of design runs. They run for 243 yards as a team. They've had a couple mm-hmm. games like this, but more design runs out of fields, some great scrambles, and 179 yards through the air on only 21 throws and some great scramble drills and a few plays from the pocket where he got to his second read. And look, if you just sprinkle those in along with the running game that they have, then we might have something here. 
I mean, this felt like coming off of the uh, basically a mini buy they played last Thursday, had the extra day even this week to get to Monday. So really, I mean, plenty of time to prepare for this game. This felt like the most realized version of this Bears offense, right? I mean, this was a game where Justin Fields was booting a ton, a ton of times he was getting out of the pocket and having the opportunity to throw on the run, getting off his spot and forcing the Patriots, uh, who are very good at typically bottling up young quarterbacks, to not know where he was going to be at the beginning of the play. We saw that from the very first passing sequence of this game, and it continued throughout. And, and like you said, more designed runs. Phil was incredible as a scrambler in this game. He had a couple of third and long conversions, at least one third and long conversion I can think of where he came out of the pocket where basically he looked like he was about to get sacked and instead converted third and long, set up points for the Bears. Um, and, and this was a game where I felt like he as a as on those design runs added more of an element to this running running attack than we had seen in weeks past even when they had been running successfully it had really been more about Khalil Herbert running in the context of the offense with feels more as a scrambler this felt like he was a an equal part of the offense especially on third down in situations where they needed to convert and this is a game where they were great on third down 11 for 18 against the Patriots which kept that defense in the field tired them out and I think led to a lot of the success they had in the second half of this game. I Third and longs. A lot of third and longs. I mean, uh, the yeah. play that he made, I think it was third and seven, and he got flushed out. And again, it looked like th- there were so many plays where they could have sacked him, and he got out of it. And on at least three of them, he completed passes down the field when he could have yep. run. But the the play I'm thinking of is the one to commit where he just puts oh, a yeah. beautiful throw down the sideline. He He's maybe not going to be the most consistent quarterback this year throwing. I think that's obvious. But if he has a handful of those each game, and he had a couple on the early drives too where he had a chance to run, and he actually didn't, and he found wide open receivers in yep. the middle after breaking outside the pocket – that that's that's all they I think need to at least be competitive with the running game that he brings and that Montgomery and Herbert bring. Okay, so on that commit catch, yeah, very disputed uh, conversations happening about that catch on the internet, Greg. I know you were busy doing work, but on the internet there was speculation that Cole Komet was trying to okie doke the Patriots into using a challenge on a play where he caught the ball. No way. Pretty well in balance. People people believed that he was trying to fool the Patriots. No, I I don't know. He didn't know. Like he he was catching it and his back is to the sideline and his head's flipped all around. I think he just thought he landed out of bounds because you know, it's a split second thing where like his leg landed in bounds and then his back was quickly out of bounds after that. Like, yeah, I, I don't think Craig, he was playing Craig, next level chess. I, I saw a play this week where Asante Samuel Jr. clearly dropped an interception on replay, and he was so confident that he ran the length of the field, <laughs> sideline to sideline, signaling, I caught it, I caught it, I caught it, begging Brandon Staley to challenge the play. When again, the ball was standing on the ground without <laughs> without Asante Samuel's hands underneath. Maybe Komet's just not level- confident. Maybe Komet is just we- a weirdly like, uh, I don't know about you, but like every time I finish a podcast, I'm like driving home yep. and I just think of all the things that I could have done better and that I said wrong and like, why yep. am I so bad at this? Maybe Cole Komet is like us. That there is no pro athlete like us, Greg. Unfortunately, that's true. That's I, I, why we we're here. Get to that point. Okay, that is, that's why we're here. I, I would be surprised. I also don't think that Cole Komet 
was okie dokie the Patriots, though. That would no. be incredible. I think someone will do that eventually, but I don't think it was Cole Cabet in this situation. No, I don't think so. And um, I'm looking, I really am looking forward to watching them because this is one of the things that's good if you, if you try to watch as many games as you can. You know, Fields' best three passing games of the season are the last three. And they haven't been, like, amazing. But I would say, like, the third best passing game of the season was three weeks ago. The second best passing game of the season, granted, I know they only scored seven points. But if you watch that game, it wasn't, like, a brutal game. It was it was passable, how he threw the ball. And then his best passing game of the season was tonight. Like, you see an upward trajectory. So that's, what more can you ask for? Yeah, so, and so. I mean, I, I think we're seeing not just an upward trajectory from fields, but from sort of the offensive structure. And, and right. I know the offensive line is bad, and they, losing, um, they lost an offensive lineman in this game. Maybe they lost two offensive linemen. Lucas line? no, Patrick got hurt, yeah. Lucas Patrick got hurt, They and he was playing center for them. They had to bring Sam Mustafer back in. Tevin Jenkins got hurt for, I think he went down, but came right back, if I'm not mistaken. But, mm. I mean, I, I think about the Eagles last year, where they look kind of lost. The first six weeks of the season. Ooh, good comp. They found an offense that worked. Behind I don't their think running quarterback. Behind their running quarterback. I don't think they're going to be as good as the No. I, I do think I can believe that the offense is going to get structurally better and Fields is going to look more confident and more comfortable in that offense as the season goes along. I don't think it's going to be linear. I think there'll be hiccups. I think there'll be games where they struggle. I think there'll be depressing moments when Fields does make mistakes because he's still a young quarterback. But I think... So far as a pro, Justin Fields' best moments have typically been when he sort of forgets the scheme and he forgets what he's doing and just reacts off of instinct and makes a great play with his legs. They made plays. They made pass. plays tonight. Right. And, and and I think this week it felt a little more within the structure of an offense, which I think is really exciting. I agree. I mean, uh, also, I just, they, they, they raised the ceiling of what I am reasonably expecting of the Bears tonight. This season, yes. because in this yes. we we talked about this is a defensive year. It's a bit of a running year, and this is all relative to what the last few years. Obviously, mm-hmm. you still need a a great passing game in the end, I think. But here are some final. These are some rushing totals from games that they've had just this season. Tonight, mm-hmm. two forty three. Last week, two thirty seven. Against the Giants, 149. Against the Texans, 281. Against the Packers, 180. So it's just like when all that was happening, it was just like, man, if you just get a little bit of passing here and now some defense, it's like they can be in these games and they can maybe win seven or eight games and that probably will have you mathematically alive in week 18. <laughs> there, There is a certain <laughs> kind of football nerd who is who has, has Bears-Falcons in week 11 circled on their calendar that is going to be the I'm most i'm not quite there i'm not quite there heavy uh those two quarterbacks are gonna throw like 15 passes but here's the thing the patriots combined. are kind of like the falcons like they were running the ball on first down down three scores just like the falcons were on sunday against the bengals the patriots were doing it tonight and not running hurry up oh my god we've spent 34 minutes on this game bill barnwell i i haven't even said the one thing that decided this game please and then we'll move there Let's were six fumbles in this game, Greg Rosenthal. The Bears recovered all six of them. Yeah, it that. Is, that was that was key. I think Fields might have had. What do you have? Three. I felt like he had three. He had a couple. He, he had just three, and then there was one that was hands. on a snap. So that's credited to him. Technically, he's credited with four. Uh, yeah, and Pettis, he didn't lose Pettis any of them. A punt. 
It's true. So many times I'm watching these games and it's all about like how the ball bounces off a tip or off a, you know, squirt in the pile or whatever. But this mm-hmm. game, I, I don't think ultimately was totally decided by that. I think the Bears were just well, better. Well, I mean, but I I'm with the Bears were a better, better team. They could have kept it closer. But there is a universe where, yeah. uh, where they lose a couple fumbles early. The Patriots get a couple short fields and score. Then the Bears sure. have to throw to catch up. If and the Bears, if the, yeah, if the Patriots picked up four of those fumbles and instead of being minus three in turnovers, they were plus three. You're right. Obviously it's a, it's a totally different game, but wow, Bill Belichick, what a humbling night. This was supposed to be the whole passing George Hallis thing. And I really, Mm -hmm. you got a haircut. I noticed, um, he gave, he gave Ibrafloos like a very hug, long hug and conversation at the end, which I don't know. I think maybe that was because he was saying thank you for kneeling at the one yard line instead of putting a 40 <laughs> burger on us like I would have done to you at the end. Um, I think Belichick was ready for this this coronation and uh, instead it was a nightmare. All right, that's it for game talk. We do have some coaching talk. The big list with Bill Barnwell coming up after the break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I I picked, Bill, a different uh, little segment here at the end of this show because I thought this game might not be that exciting. And I've got Barnwell on. And like, yeah, let's fill some more time with Barnwell. Let's take advantage. If we're going to make him stay up late, you told me you stayed up till 4 a.m. last night writing. This is easy. Oh, for sure. That, that that typical Sunday is between four and five a.m. for me. So okay, we're, we're recording this at, at twelve fifteen in the morning Eastern. This is a breeze okay. for me. Greg. Okay, I'll give you like five. Uh, it'll be like five or ten. But we've gone longer now than any Monday Night Football recap already, and I haven't gotten to my top six list tonight. The top six list is not a top six list because I wanted to involve oh. uh, Bill and not just 
have it be my list that he comments on. So instead of just like a pure top six list, in honor of George Papa Hallis, Papa Bear, I don't know what they call him, Bill Belichick, Don Shula, you know, all the great coaches out there, we're each going to pick three coaches who have done a great job this year. And we will keep it quick and and get you out of here. And you um, sent me a text this week uh, that at one point said, uh, the best podcast duo of the year gets the best game of the year. And I don't think the game lived up to that. So let's let's do it. As the best podcast duo, let's deliver some more content, Bill. We're going to give three coaches that we uh, think have done a great job this year. Just any three coaches. Mm-hmm. And when you read um, another text that from me, you read it as I wanted – uh, a head coach, a coordinator, and a position coach. I meant it could just be any, but you picked one of each, so I'm going to do the same. Let's let's have you go. You can go first. I felt like that is a level of granularity that I can hit with you. I mean, if I'm yeah. doing other shows, they want – there's like eight coaches people know, and I have to name three of those coaches. I can get okay. a little – I do want to ask here. a quick question, actually. When you say the best game of the year gets the best podcast duo of the year, I mm-hmm. I read that as like – Barnwell, for a second I read that, and then I realized you're not like this. Maybe I would be like this if I said that and made a joke, uh, that you were almost saying you're wasting me on Bears Pats. Really, Greg? <laughs> I thought that's what you were kind of saying. And like, why didn't you save me for a big time one late no. in the year? And I actually thought, hmm, he's right. I maybe should have saved him no, for a big time one late in the year. No, absolutely not. Okay, okay. I, I, I was being facetious. But what I would say is that I think – I know from my perspective, I have to do podcasts every single week and the football is not always great every single week. I think you need someone you have experience and a rapport with. We've known each other for 15 years now. So thinking this game might have been bad. Yeah, that actually was part of it. You know, Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought we got a better game of it all. We believe. But that's why I added this segment. And let's uh, let's go through it. Give me a coach. I don't know where you want to start, but give me a coach you like this year. And we'll go through these quick. I will start at the very top. I will start with a head coach and a guy who gets plenty of attention and I still think does not get enough. And that is Mike Vrabel. Oh, you took mine. I told you, I bet you before the show, we were going to have one coach, at least one coach in common. I thought we were going to have the same coordinator, but Mike Vrabel Uh, is the head coach. Do you want to give me your explanation for why Mike Vrabel is the head coach, Greg? Well, just because it's sort of, impossible to know exactly what a head coach does only winning records for mikey <laughs> that's sure, that's sure a, seems sure seems uh like like mike tomlin sure seems like a right. coincidence that they and, happen to be good every year. right exactly but the thing that i think you can measure is like when you look at the team are they greater than the sum of their parts and are they that consistently and that's that's mike Vrabel. i mean I, I think they do a very good job in Tennessee, and this is Vrabel. It happens on both sides of the football. I think he deserves some of the credit of developing their young players. They have guys break through each and every year. I mean, last year it was Christian Fulton. Uh, Harold Landry had a career year. But now, this season, they lose Landry before the year to a torn ACL. Taylor Lewan goes down either week one or week two. I think week two. Traylon Burks, their first-round pick, who they got after trading A.J. Brown, their best receiver, hasn't really been around this year because he's been hurt. Secondary has been inconsistent. Derrick Henry, even though he's been better the past few weeks, not the same guy he was at his peak, and yet they keep winning football games. They're winning with Dennis Daly at left tackle. It's Nick crazy. is their wide receiver too. Rashad Weaver has been their primary pass rusher when Bud Dupree has been hurt. Like, 
Mm. You should not be able to keep doing this. And yet their one tackle of Saquon Barkley in the backfield or one field goal at the very end of that game uh, uh, from being five and one, like that's sure. the loss coming to the Bills. Yeah, it, it, and they got blown out in that game. And that's, you could you could flip a couple of the other games, but you're right. They also managed to like get guys in quarterbacks' faces very like quickly, just like the game. Mm-hmm. Like they do a good job coaching up their defensive line. Whoever who is their defensive line coach? I'm putting you on the spot, Grave Digger, right now, uh, Justin Graver. You've made him so happy, Bill. By the way, he raised his hands in victory when you said Mike Vrabel. I mean, I, every Williams. year. I... Okay, Daryl Williams. Terrell. Wait, what did or you? What did you forget? You forgot it. You forgot it once again. Ready to go. That was yeah, yeah. Terrell Williams. Well, he does a great job. They get unblocked defenders. Uh, All right, I I'm gonna just leave you, Mike Rabel, as the coach. We both picked him as the coach, and I'm just gonna go uh, with uh, an offensive coordinator, and that's Shane Waldron. I have talked about Gino. Oh sure. To the point of annoyance and exhaustion of Mm -hmm. almost anyone in my life, Mm -hmm. listeners, co-hosts. Friends, family, family members, my children. Um, when was the last time Shane Waldron was brought up on this show, Justin? Like, literally, have we said the names Shane Waldron in the last month? Maybe when the Seahawks hired him. I mean, I, I think we've brought him up in passing here or there, but it's mostly in context of Russell Wilson. And we talked about Vrabel doing a good job getting more out of the, his players than expected. Mm-hmm. When you look at that offensive line with two rookies, and they certainly have talent at the skill position, uh, but you look at Geno, and you look mm-hmm. at him being a system quarterback. He, you know, I'm a huge Geno fan, obviously, and he's made a lot of big-time throws, but I, I think the thing he does best is kind of does what the offense tells him to do mm-hmm. in a calm manner. Well, who's running that offense? It's Shane Waldron, the guy who was getting killed last year for parts of uh, the Russell Wilson Era and that offense is working fantastic. It's working better on balance than Kyle Shanahan's or Sean McVay's. The same coaching tree he was in, in the same division he was in. Like he's running the best offense in that division. So uh, kudos to Shane Waldron. Nice job. Um, do you believe the Seahawks are going to sign Geno Smith to an extension during the season? <laughs> no, they, they should. No, no, I. It's already annoying me that people are getting into the Jalen Hurts contract extension talk now. It's like, let's just let this play out. Like, why do we have to do that? That's not fun. Gino's a little different because he's on a one-year, $1 million contract. He's in a different situation. So I think it's a legit conversation. I don't think they will. Um, But we'll see. If we get to December and they're still in first place, maybe that changes. I have bad news for the the six element of this list that you've asked me to put together okay as my positional coach is seahawks running back coach chad morden oh wow okay assistant and run game coordinator below shane waldron and i thought about he's been there since 2017 obviously he's been, he's been there since 2015 i believe he's been the run game coordinator or the running backs coach since 2017 and they have had so many different backs come through and play at a really high level. Chris Carson, of course, for the f- a few years there. Rashad Penny, who was a first-round pick but had injuries last year, was, I mean, a-, a top three running back when he was healthy at the end of last season and then kept that up this year before fracturing his ankle. And now Kenneth Walker, their second-round pick, has looked incredible mm. so far this year. Both Walker and Penny averaging 6.1 
yards per carry. Seahawks on the whole, averaging five and a half yards per carry, number one in the NFL. And again, without a great offensive line. So Morton, who's the run game coordinator there, so he he's the one dialing up the run plays. And then also coaching the running backs, I think a very underrated coach for the role he plays in that Seattle offense. Well, they always roll out like four starting running backs a year. And yep. then you're always like, wow, this guy's amazing. And they're, they're all patient and they follow their mm-hmm. hole as well. And they they have consistency, which I really mm-hmm. like. That that was a good choice. When when you when I realized you were going to do a position coach, now I felt shamed uh, to doing it. So this was like admittedly uh, a bit of a panic last minute move. But I'm going to go with Marcus Dixon, the defensive line coach of the Broncos, who's working under someone oh, who no. would have been a good coordinator pick, Ajiro oh, no. Evero of the Broncos. Were oh, you at the Broncos great. too? What? Greg, I have some bad news. My coordinator pick is a Shiro Everett. It's fine. We need to get out of here anyways. <laughs> Let's condense these conversations. Ajiro Evero, another name that we haven't talked about much on this list, and he was like a Vic Fangio acolyte, but you know, hadn't been with him that long. Has sure. been in the NFL for 15 years. And man, they are just a really tough defense uh, to find a breakdown in or a hole in. And yes, they're talented, but he's taken that defensive line, Marcus Dixon specifically, and they run a lot of games. They're, they're creative and just different guys are coming off the bench and they're all playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think they're playing a lot better than they even did a year ago. Broad numbers loved them last year. Stats like DVOA, not so much. They were 20th in DVOA last year, third in the NFL this year, number one in points per drive allowed, second in EPA per play. And that's without Justin Simmons for a chunk of the year. They had Caden Stearns filling in, who looked great in Simmons's absence. Haven't had Randy Gregory for a chunk of the year. It's been Baron Browning, who suddenly looks like like a top 15 I know, NFL and he got, pass rusher. He got, hurt, terrifying. Then he got hurt on Sunday and is going to miss some time, which is really a bummer because yeah. he was exciting. Ronald, but Gregory, Ronald yeah. Darby's done for the year. DJ Jones um, to the defensive line element to this has been better here than he was in San Francisco. I mean, they just have so many different players making plays. And I think, like, like we talked about, you know, when you're getting more out of the guys you have than the people before you, especially when it was Vic Fangio, one of the most respected defensive coaches in the league, I think Evero has been one of the more valuable coordinators in football so far. He's, this he's improved the, the Fangio defense. <laughs> and um, it was another uh, coach that Sean McVay lost. Evero was with the Rams the last yep. four to five years, five years, and uh, was their passing game coordinator. So if you got to give Nathaniel Hackett credit for anything. Evero. Give Evero him credit. Is the best, give him the best move they made. That's what I'm saying. Season. Give him credit for the defensive staff that they hired. The coaches do get credit for that because Nathaniel Hackett could use a little credit and a little help right now because it's dark and they're writing. Um, they're writing. Could he be fired during the season? Articles already in Denver local papers, which is rough. But uh, he did a nice job with that defense, and that makes me think that there's at least a chance their season isn't over. But this podcast needs to be over soon. Bill, you've. Uh, You've said it all, and um, I hope you haven't woken up your wife. I would never wake up my wife. I'm <laughs> smart enough to know really? that my, mar- my marriage is more important than uh, finishing a podcast with my friend Greg Rosenthal. Really? So she's so she's up, or she like has a sound machine on, or you're just not that loud, or you've got a, like a nice big house where you're where you're far apart. 
We have an 800 square foot apartment in, in Washington, D.C., so I am trying to be relatively quiet, but I'm hoping, I think there's a white noise machine okay. work, working its magic. I think there's a white noise app maybe, hopefully doing uh, doing the work Good. it needs to do. Um, if, if I'm wrong, if I am told in the morning that I was in fact waking up my my poor wife, then I will personally blame you, Greg Rosenthal, for getting me so excited about an exciting Monday night football game. I, I want you to, and I've I've been in that position, and I've uh, woken up, um, you know, my wife, and it's it, it's a bad, embarrassing spot. I I just can't stop talking, and I can't stop being loud. But I need to stop, Bill. We need to stop. So I hope your family's good, and uh, you know, you're part of my football family. We got to get you back here. We've been we've been doing this talking for uh like you mentioned 15 years since uh, way back when you were at football outsiders check bill out uh on his podcast bill barnwell show and um on all his great articles and on sports center with svp and on debatable look i know all of the barnwell stuff is there anything yeah. else i think i feel like that's most that's that's literally every single thing i do for espn so okay. that's it that's if you don't it. like those four things, you're not going to like them. No, and like the best writer in the game. Um, uh, great at everything, uh, but got to check out his writing. Get smarter and um, and stop listening to this podcast. We will be back on Tuesday, Justin, uh, with another episode. We'll have Mike Garofolo sitting in for tomorrow's show. It's a big week here at Around the NFL. For Bill Barnwell, Justin Graver. And uh, Bill Belichick. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.